The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Alrighty, boys and girls, girls and boys, boys that want to be girls and girls that want to be boys. And Tammy. Fuck off. <laughs> You're so mean to me. Welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, the illustrious Scott Alexander. And right across me is the one, the only, the Tammy, the underdog, the Underwood. Say dun 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 dun. You got puppy power. Puppy I can feel it. power. That's no, that's uh, Scrappy Doo. I keep it? on getting that because I used to watch Underdog. I know. I can't remember what Underdogs is. I can't but. either. But I used to watch it because, like, uh, he would come on the TV, um, mm-hmm. and it was like it was like I remember it was like Underdog. Was he the little dog with the cape? Yeah. Yeah. It was Underdog. And Mighty it was Mouse. Mighty Mouse. And then after this, like, and. Who else was in there? Hong Kong Fooey was at the same time. Yeah. Um, Foghorn Leghorn loved him, but then lost oh, I say. But he was he was only during like the uh, the the Looney Tunes hour. Oh, that's true. He wasn't Hanna Barbera, was he? Yeah, he wasn't Hanna Barbera. Um, yeah. But part of Hanna Barbera though was also I don't know if you remember this was Sigmund the Sea Monster. I don't remember that one. I remember the Flintstones. They used to have the Hanna and Bar- the Jetsons. They used to have the Hanna Barbera hour. And and I only know this because uh, you know when I when I actually got to where I watched TV as a child, uh-huh. which was like as a teenager, I discovered all these classic fucking things from cartoons. Like, cartoons I love classic cartoons, but um, like you know the ones that are too violent for our children, but they can play Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, <laughs> when they run over hookers. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that, um, <laughs> especially if you don't want to pay. That's a freebie. I just had a bad joke in my head, and I'm going to keep it to myself because it sounded horrible, even in my own head. But I discovered Mighty Mouse, Hong Kong Fooey, um, Sigmund the Sea Monster, but they had a Hanna-Barbera hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's what it was, if I remember. But maybe not. Um, no, that wasn't part of the Hanna-Barbera hour. But the, the Hanna-Barbera hour had things like Space Ghost and... Uh, Okay, I kind of remember that one. There was like... I can't remember what they were called, but they were like a prehistoric type of a Was family. it Saturday mornings or after school? Because uh, there's two different, both. you know, because we had Saturday morning cartoons. We had after school yeah, cartoons. Yeah, yeah. No, I dig. So I people don't both. understand that. But we had, I mean, we knew when what was on. The original Land of the Lost. Yes. You know, Marshall, Will, and Holly on a yes. routine expedition. Oh I God, love I that I can't show. believe you remember the theme. Met the greatest earthquake ever known. Wasn't that Danger, Will Robinson? That was, uh, uh. Lost no, not lost in space. Was it lost no, in space? Lost in space. Yeah, that's okay. lost in space. No, this is uh, that 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 was to uh, land of the lost. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. With the sleet stacks and shit. All right, let's do some business and we'll get into the story. How's that sound? Good, because I need to fill my vape. Oh, groovy. All right, boys and girls, let's do some business here. Get onto the Etsy page. Type in TB Enterprises Store. It'll pop up. Wide variety of serial killer T-shirts, including ones from Todd Colep. I know. Toddly. Toddly himself. As well as your favorite serial killers. There's also t-shirts on there and other apparel for everything from uh, the Twisted Blue Band uh, to things with depicting Squatch over here while she's out squatching. Yep. Good Not times. in my natural habitat, but you know, out out in the boot. Out in the boot. In public. Around. 
in public. You know, where I'm trying to dare people to find me. <laughs> I'm such a rare find. What? How do you like that one? I'm not even going to comment to that one because I got a little sick in my mouth. Uh, <laughs> log on to Facebook if you're on Facebook and, uh, and check out Citizens of Brutal Nation. Answer some Q&As. Have some fun with us. Post your own shit. I don't care. Let's have fun. Let's talk about it. Let's do it. No, let's not because. I no. meant, you know. Oh, you meant the other. Okay. Yeah. Do it. Just log in. Do it. Yeah. Do it. Do it now. Just do it. You know, Nike that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nike, you hear t- uh, talking. Nike, you hear talking. Yeah. All right. So. Film night and all. <laughs> and. His his cousin Phil Day, <laughs> and his wife. They, man, they have buttload of money. They actually have a whole section of Providence Hospital off uh, Barnes Road named after them. Wow, it's disgusting. But then you know they have Nike World Campus here in Beaverton, in Beaverton too. So I want a whole street corner named after me that specializes in hookers and strippers. What do you want it to say? I mean, what do you really want the intersection to be, Scott? Stripper land and hooker land. I was going to say, it has to be, oh, oh, Hooker Boulevard and Stripper Lane. That would work. That would there work. You go. Matter of <laughs> fact, I was just thinking, man, because, you know, and for the Jewish community, we can have the Hanukkah hookers that are that are midgets. Midget Hanukkah hookers. Oh, my goodness. I told you I've been watching uh, uh, Boardwalk Empire, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, the black guy who's really into this. Uh, Aren't they all black? Not all of them. Oh, my bad. No, Steve Buscemi's not they black. They, they, they all look the Anyways, same. Anyways, you know, this this black guy who is like the head, he's like one of the main guys that runs the liquor th- for the prohibition in New Jersey, right? I told you his name's Chalky White. Oh, yeah. And there was an episode <laughs> where the KKK came to his warehouse and like shot it up and slit the throat of one of his workers and all this other crap, right? Even shot a woman. But he shot one of the KKK members and he died. Well, he got arrested. But they arrested him to protect him. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. You know, they're like, arrest him now to get him off the streets to save his life. Well, while he's sitting in jail, Steve Buscemi's character comes in and everything. And Chalky White looks at him and goes, you know what? I'm firing the attorney I have. I'm getting me a Jewish man because they know what they're doing. And I'm like, you know what? I wonder if Scott's attorneys are Jewish. Yeah, actually, <laughs> two of them are. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Because they don't play. Nope. You know. I'll tell you, man. There's the, the, there's a few times that you have to insist on having a, a Jewish. Jew. Yes. Number an one, an attorney. Number and two, an accountant. I was going to say an accountant. Yes. <laughs> and your booking agent, by the way. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Saul, my former booking agent, very Jewish. And because yeah, they're, they're, they're after that, that oh, that's going to sound fucking so racist, and I guess it is, but it's true. They're after that almighty oh, dollar, man. No, so, Jewish people don't play when it comes to money. No. Because, I mean, that is not racist at all. They are very tight-fisted, and freaking, they will get there. They're not getting paid until until yeah. you get paid, you know? Exactly. So they will try to book you on everything. And they will make sure you get top dollar. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll call you up with things mm-hmm. like, okay, Scott, this is what's going to happen, okay? You're going to do a cruise for like two weeks, and then you're going to be over in New Jersey, and then we're going to work you up to New York, and then you'll come home in about five years. Is that who Morty's based off, Saul? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is it the same, like, the same voice? voice? Seriously? Yeah. like that's Poor, that's how, poor Saul. <laughs> that's how Saul talks. Um, although I haven't talked to him in a few years, but... um. 
and you're like, um, I want to go home like in three weeks or, you know, maybe a month tops. Don't worry, kid. We'll get you by your house for all like 15 minutes. <laughs> you, can, you can stop in, say hi to your pups and go. Yeah, it's like <laughs> smack the old lady on the ass and get back on the bus. It's like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> making money, but fuck. Yeah. I need a life. Wear you out. That's where the whole turn the page comes from, right? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> they man. had Jewish booking agents. Exactly. <laughs> you come home, you're hoping for a blowjob, and about the time that your pants unzip up, back on the bus. <laughs> you get a, <laughs> barely get a slap and a tickle. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, um, she didn't even breathe on me, man. Yeah, what, what's going on here, big guy? We got three shows to go, so let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Move it. You're like, fuck me. That is hilarious. You say something like, fuck me. I would if it means that you'll get on the goddamn bus. <laughs> Let's move it, Scotty. Time is money. Time is money. Exactly. It's fucking it's amazing. All right. So you gave me this name of Thomas Hamilton, which sounds yes. like a president or, no, or a financial institution. No. Like, Who'd you invest your money with? Thomas Hamilton. Wow. Me too. Yeah. No. He was... It's just, I mean, and there's still a lot of mystery surrounding him. Um, I'm going to start with the intro, kind of. Throughout the history of the world, there have been many accounts of massacres carried out in every culture. You know, every culture. Native American, I mean, against each other, you know, and, you know, all over the world, right? However, it hasn't been until recent years that mass shootings have risen to the top as a chosen method to commit multiple murders. That's true. That's you know, because we very rarely hear about serial killers anymore. It's always mass murders, right? Well, no, it's because now the ser- serial killers are unionized. That's true. And, That's uh, true. And, you know, a lot of these people want to be bigger and better than the last mass shooting, you know, because they want their name in whatever. Yeah, well, there you yeah. go, man. It's, it's a it's, celebrity. It is. Yeah. Because they, 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 unfortunately, we feed the machine. I was going to say, unfortunately, our culture, and I don't know about this all over the world, but our culture celebritizes a lot of criminals. Our show does. Oh, well, yeah, too. That's true. I, 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 Zero I believe, killers. I, I, mean, I believe in accountability, and I'm going to be accountable for this show. Oh, that's we, true. We tell the story of these serial killers, and we try to look at them as people most of the time. Right. Some good, some but not. But we don't try to glorify their actions. No, not so much not like their you know, actions. But we talk to yeah, serial killers. That's true too. And the one thing that piss, that apparently pisses people off is the fact of that I give people a voice. Oh yes, we've been told that they and, should have no voice. Right, and that I treat them like they're people. Oh my god! I just had a horrible thought. They're not Ed Kemper's mom. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> folks. I couldn't help myself. But yeah, you know, I, I, I treat. I, here's my thing. I don't care what you've done in your fucking life. Yeah. If you're if in you're, your past, whatever. Right. Yeah. If you're decent to me, mm. I'm going to be decent to you. You want to know when I'll treat a serial killer like they're a piece of shit? If we get them on the show or on the phone pre-show, like a piece of shit, and they're a piece of shit. If yes. they're be, if they're being a total peckerhead, mm-hmm. then guess what? Dickhead Scott's going to come out. You don't get the 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 right. I actually mm-hmm. heard this put by a dude who does TikTok videos about racism. Um, he's a, he's a black feller, and I can't remember his name, but really really good videos. And he said, "There's two kinds of respect. Now mm-hmm. everybody gets a flat rate of respect oh, because totally. because you're a person. Mm-hmm. However, with that said, there's a thing called earned respect. True that." And until someone earns your respect, 
You don't get that earned respect. You're respected because you're a person, but that means that you know. But you can lose that respect too. I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to respect the way someone lives their life. True. I don't have to respect their ideologies. True. You know, I respect them as people. True. But I don't have to agree or respect those things. Right. Well, and I I also have taken that to another level because, like, when my son was younger, I told you that he was in Taekwondo, and he was very good at it. Because he's Asian. Yeah. Well, They're we all had born it. with fucking special, like, whoa, <laughs> Bruce Lee fucking shit going but on. We had an altercation with the Taekwondo master. And it's like I had always before that told my son, you know, if you run into somebody in a position of authority, especially, doesn't matter whether you like them as a person or what they have done. You respect the position they hold. Like, I hate you, but the fact that you're like, okay, like the mayor of the city, I respect that position. I thought you were talking about me directly. No, no. Because you're my boss. I respect your position. Wow. No. What the, what the heck? I thought we got along fine. I only like your position when you're bent over and I'm kicking your ass. Oh no, my just God. kidding, people. so mean to me. <laughs> but you know, it's like like with people when Trump was in office. He's not my president. You know what? You're an American. Unfortunately, he is your president whether you like it or not. Yeah, just like I don't like Biden very much because of what he's doing to the Please. economy. Just, did but, you read that article I sent you? I think I did. I just yeah, about the, uh, the real estate? Yeah. Depression that's coming on? That, Recession that's coming on? Yeah. And I think it's going to be good because it's uh, re- uh, uh, commercial real estate mostly. Yeah, I like that one. But while I don't like Biden and I don't agree with right. his you policies. the fact that he's the United States president. He's an idiot, but he's still the president. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I died Greg. I died Greg. I mean, nobody liked Clinton. Well, except for some people. I loved Clinton. Well, you only like Clinton because he got away with all the shit he got away with. No, sexual. because he's like the coolest president. I, okay. Oh. Well, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't like the Clinton. Like, blowing the, yeah. I don't like the Clintons now. Mm-hmm. But then, like, seriously, he was like the, he, he'd go on talk shows and where, where other pre, uh, presidential candidate, candidates and, and presidents would be like, well. They, this they, is what I want to do for the nation. And they'd be like, hey, what do you like? And I like to eat French fries and play the saxophone. And I'm like, fuck, that's pretty cool, and man. And you know what he does? He would bring out his saxophone and play it. Yeah, he plays sax, you know. He played his sax. I mean, he could really play a saxophone. I mean, there's an episode of Arsenio Hall that you can see on uh, YouTube every once in a while where he did that. But, yeah. Yeah, you know, what do you like to do on your free time? And other politicians are, um, I like to hang out with my family and pray to Jesus. And play golf. And, play and, golf. and here, here's Clinton. Well, I like to do a little bit of fishing every once in a while, and then I walk with my dogs in the woods. That's pretty good right there. I tap myself some biscuits and gravy, you know, and make sure I get back to Arkansas to visit my family. You're like, wow, <laughs> dude, you're <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> that, that is so funny because there is actually a comedian out there, a black comedian, who, when Obama was in office, because you know Obama was well-known, he loved to play basketball, pickup games. There's a shot. Right? I know. He liked golf and basketball. Anyway, that's like two different extremes. That's However, two different balls altogether. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> two. But anyways, this black guy was saying how Obama wanted, he was, this black guy, this comedian came out and said he liked basketball and he'd love to play with Obama, and Obama reached out to him to play with him and everything, but he made the mistake of showing up high, and Obama goes, what is wrong with you? He goes, nothing. He goes, dude, don't lie to me. You, you, you've been smoking weed. He's like, don't tell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No. Okay. So anyways, the individuals who engage in these atrocities can be motivated by several factors. 
For instance, in a school shooting, the perpetrator has often been bullied by other students for several years. Then one day, they've had enough and they seek revenge on those who they felt victimized them and anyone else who gets in the way. Then there are individuals who suffer from a mental health issue that they aren't able to regulate due to lack of resources and or support system. It's hard to understand or pinpoint the exact motivation with that category of perpetrator since they often either commit suicide by their own hand or suicide by cop. Now, the case I'm presenting today is that of Thomas, Thomas Hamilton. Prior to ni- March 13, 1996, Hamilton was an active leader in Boy Scouts and other male youth groups in Dunblane, Scotland. However, he didn't hold those leadership positions because he wanted to be a positive role model for the youth of today. His motivation was more sinister. He became involved with these groups because he was a pedophile. And these groups provided him with a vast victim pool. And although he could, he could keep his crimes a secret for many years, they eventually were becoming exposed. But y- you know what? You're right. The Boy Scouts like that, they often... Attract pedophiles, and this is where I was really like. I was Coaching, in scouting. Well, scouts. I, I, I was in scouts, mm-hmm. um, and my stepdad was the the, the leader. Mm-hmm. So I was really fortunate that Stu was our. I mean, because like, there, there, there was going to be no weird shit going on, right? Anything like that, right? Because you know, Stu is you know my stepdad's a. He's, is he isn't he a pretty stand up guy? He's a pretty stand up guy. Like seriously, man. Yeah. Um, as much as as much shit as I talk about the rest of my family. I can say that my stepdad is just an amazing individual. Right. Just freaking amazing. Super smart. Just a really great guy. Right. <coughs> anyway, continue on. Yeah. I'm I not mean, high. I'm just coughing because of allergies. No, I know. <laughs> He's not over there smoking weed, y'all. Not yet. Um, however, I mean, cause, and that's stupid. A lot of them hold coaching positions, too. You know, because Jeremiah, my son, his middle school football coach, after Jeremiah was out of that school, was arrested for trying to solicit sex with one of his female students and give her meth. Wait a minute, how old was she? Um, well, seventh and eighth grade. So what? Oh, eighteen. <laughs> no, Scott. No. <laughs> but nice try. Close enough to eighteen. Yeah, close enough. Hey, twelve, thirteen. Close enough. Ah, 18. I heard 18. (laughs) So when his deplorable actions were being uncovered by the authorities and the public, he lashed out. On March 13, 1996, he murdered 16 children and their teacher. What the fuck? Yeah. Here's what led up to the massacre, how he carried out, and the aftermath of his actions. It's not only is he a pedophile, he's a kid killer. What a dickhead. Oh, way more than that. What a freaking dickhead. You just don't even know. Fuck this guy. Now... On the morning of March 13, 1996, 43-year-old Thomas Hamilton had just one thought on his mind when he walked out the door of his house. It was only 9.30 a.m., and he was intent on committing murder. He climbed into his car and drove approximately 20 miles north to the primary school on Dune Road, and he had all the supplies he needed to carry out his mission. One pair of pliers, four handguns, and over 700 rounds of ammunition. Why the pliers? Uh, I'll get to that. I mean, well, I'd imagine that in case you get a feed jam into your gun. Oh, but it's no. way easier to carry a little like pocket screwdriver and pull the slide and then kind of pry it uh-huh. out if you have a blown out casing. No, nope, my next sentence tells you exactly why. Oh, 
as he arrived, as soon as he arrived at the school, he walked up to the telephone pole outside the building and cut the wires with the pliers to prevent those inside from contacting anyone on the outside. What an idiot. Yeah. No, because he could use wire cutters. That would be way yeah, better I think they pliers. were needle-nose pliers, but nobody said what that. And you know needle-nose pliers can kind of, you yeah, know. Yeah, they got that cutting edge in the yeah. back. But still, obviously, Thomas, if you're still alive, and I hope that you can hear something like this, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> and trash. Like, I, yeah, if I were you, a little trash. suggestion, eh, maybe yeah. suicide in yourself. I mean, worse than that guy who shot up the movie theater, right? Right. You're targeting elementary school kids. Exactly. I think that yeah. I think that this Hamilton guy really should commit suicide in his cell if he's mm. if he's still alive. You know, you know, we've said this before. You know, you don't fuck with kids. Yeah, totally. Especially kids that had nothing to do with anything that you're going through. Yeah, they're just there. They don't want to be yeah, there in the first fucking place. Innocent children going about their day at school. You know, they did nothing to you. Their families did nothing to you. Leave them alone. So after that was done, he took his cache of weapons and walked into the school using a side entrance where he was least likely to be noticed. He walked with purpose down the hallway until he reached the doors of the gymnasium. Inside was a group of kindergartners, children ages five and six years old, who were in the middle of their gym class. He threw open the doors and his guns were already drawn. And as soon as they came open, he fired on the unsuspecting teachers and the students. Thus began what would be known around the world as the Dunblane Massacre. Why do you pick things per- that uh, that purposely oh, you know will piss actually, me the fuck off? No, this one is actually kind of controversial at the end. I mean, I have to get through this so people understand what happened. But the end deserves a lot of talk, talk and uh, speculation. So just bear with me, okay? Roar. Now, he began shooting several rounds towards the teachers who were supervising the class. When the the children realized what was happening, they tried to find safety inside closets and under chairs. Unfortunately, he wasn't there to eliminate the adults. Within a matter of seconds after he burst into the room, he turned his aim from the teachers and shot the children, picking them off one by one. As each victim fell to the floor in a pool of their blood, their screams could be heard throughout the whole, uh, those who were still alive rang throughout the whole building. Now, after he shot several rounds at the students in the gym, he stepped into the hallway and went and diverted his attention for a moment from the children in the gym to those and fired on several of the classrooms. When he shot down more students, he turned back to the gym where he began firing his guns again. Once he was satisfied with his carnage... He took one handgun, shoved it in his mouth, and pulled the trigger. Good, good. He probably didn't feel any pain as his death was instantaneous. Just have that cocksucker's fucking did dead. Not give or you know like give that privilege to his victims. You know what I mean? No, there, there, there is that. This, this guy just has me. I'm just over here just festering. Right. Oh no, totally. Now, Hamilton left a trail of unanswered questions, heartbreaking destruction, and a mass of casualties in his wake. Now, the carnage from his rampage resulted in the loss of 17 people, 16 children, and one teacher. There were 17 other people who survived their injuries. However, they still don't consider themselves fortunate, especially since they will probably relive that horror of the event in their nightmares for the rest of eternity. Now, the otherwise peaceful rural town would never be the same. Sorry. Um, in fact, the massacre was known as, quote, one of the deadliest massacres up until that point. 
Now, in the days following the slaughter, the school received several thousand cards from those who wanted to memorialize those lost. Now, one card I read was the best example of the question that was on everybody's mind. Why them? Right? Now, unfortunately, the only person who could answer that question, and that there was only one person who could answer that question, and he made sure that his motivation was a mystery when he took his own life. He left the families of the deceased, the surviving victims, and the residents of that close-knit community in shock speculation. Law enforcement officials assigned to the case had had to sift through his past to explain to try to explain his actions. They could only hope there would be some clue that would give them give those affected an answer. Now they hoped that by building a profile of him based on the character of his past, they might prevent potential massacres in the future from other people. When they began digging into his life, the life of the shooter, the things they discovered were not only unexpected, they were disturbing. Now, he was born on May 10th, 1952. At the time of his at the time he was born, his dad, Thomas Watt, and his mom, Agnes Graham Hamilton, had already gotten a divorce. They'd only been married for about a year and a half. But according to an article published in one of the Scottish newspapers, his dad left the family for another woman while his mom was pregnant. Therefore, he never knew who his real father was. Well, really. Because his dad knew what kind of loser he was going to be having Probably, as a son. Exactly. I'm so exactly. pissed. Oh, anyways, Agnes, who had worked as a hotel chambermaid at the time, she couldn't make ends meet, you know, because that's not a very high paying job. No. Now, she decided her best option was to move in with her adopted parents in Cranhill because she was living in Glasgow. She hoped that she would be able to save money and provide a stable environment for her son. Now, when he was two, his grandparents adopted him. Now, thinking it would be in his best interest, they let him believe that they were his parents. And he was also told that his mother was his sister. A story he believed until 1974 when they finally told him the truth. Now, I want to pause for a minute because that, they say, is one of the things that pushed Ted Bundy over the edge. When he found out that his sister was his mother. Remember this sounds like that? something we featured before. Well, we've talked about that issue before. Well, yeah, I just—I don't remember if we talked about it with anybody else, but I remember a story. I'll have to look it up about uh, the same six, uh, set of circumstances where he was told that it his mom have, was his sister. I mean, might may very well have been because that's not, actually not very uncommon back then. Uh, okay, you know. Now he lived with his grandparents until they moved to Sterling when he was twelve. And he later moved with his grandparents to another house in uh, Dunblane. While he was there, he attended local schools and was, I mean, succeeded academically. There, were no, there was nothing in his past to indicate he struggled in school. However, his real interests as a teenager were divided between a rifle club and the boys' brigade. His fascination with guns and the boys' club preoccupied him for most of his teenage years and into his adult life. In fact, some say that those hobbies quickly became obsessions, right? So when he was in his mid-20s, he obtained a firearm certificate, which isn't a bad thing. No, And he started collecting firearms. In one year alone, he bought and sold five, five guns. And he continued to buy even more as the years went on. And he became a member of several area gun clubs where he practiced diligently. Now, he 
also became increasingly involved in the Boy Scouts during the 70s. In 1973, he was appointed as an assistant scout leader of one of the local troops. During that time, there were several very serious complaints made against him, which began to cast doubt on his abilities to be a leader. That winter, he had taken a scouting troop made up of about a dozen boys to the Scottish Highlands of Avonmore. Now, when they arrived, their van broke down. There was no lodging, and the boys were forced to spend the night huddled together in the vehicle, and it was freezing cold outside, right? Rather than try to, like, maybe find a way to get help, he just said, you know what? We're just going to sleep in the van, you know? Okay. Then, a couple of weeks after that, he led another troop on a winter expedition. Now, that expedition was meant to test their survival abilities, which is common in Boy Scouts, right? Right, right, right. However, his test went far beyond what the scouting limits were to the point of he put those boys in danger. Most of them returned home sopping wet and suffering from mild hypothermia, which that's not okay. Yeah, that's fucked up. You know, that's like, no, dude. Now, the parents and the scout leaders were outraged. The county and district commissioners asked Hamilton to resign. Yet he said, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, why are you questioning my leadership abilities? I'm a fantastic leader. I did nothing wrong. I'd be like, um, yeah, I think you missed the mark there a little bit there, Skippy. Yeah. So in order to, like, I don't know, back up the fact that he did nothing wrong, he wrote several letters complaining to the Scotland Scout Association and the headquarters. He even demanded, oh, I saw a glint in my eye, that they launch an inquiry into the events to prove that he was innocent. However, there was no getting around the fact that he had jeopardized the boy's safety. And so they forced him to tender his resignation. They're like, you know what? No, you were wrong. Right? Now, with more time on his hands, he spent much of it working at his, quote, do-it-yourself shop. And the name of this place was called Woodcraft that he had established in 1972. Yet, after a while, his business collapsed. So he turned his attention to establishing a new business. He decided to set up a series of boys clubs in and around Sterling and Dunblin. The projects preoccupied him for the remainder of his life. They would also lead to the destruction of his reputation. Now, he's like I said, he started up a number of these boys clubs throughout the 70s and 80s, many of which targeted children between the ages of what? Oh, wait, pedophile age, 7 and 11. Like the store? I like (laughs) 7-Eleven, man. They got good hot dogs. Decent coffee. Oh, my God. Nice big bites. No, I'll tell you why I like 7-Eleven. I love 7-Eleven hot dogs. I used to work at 7-Eleven. So. If you go into any 7-Eleven. Totally. At 2 a.m. Yes. You can get a big bite. You can get a soda. Okay. But you will inevitably see the dude behind the counter. And he will be the freakiest dude you've ever seen in my life. Oh, that hurts me because I used to work that shift. But he'll be like super nice. Oh, totally. You know, but you're going to look at him and go. Holy cow, man. This guy's got more metal in his fucking face than what's in my car. Well, and you know what's even weirder about that whole situation is when I worked at 7-Eleven, that's right around the time that you start getting ready for the morning rush. Because the morning rush happens between 4.30 and 5. So it's like you're not really concerned about the hot dogs that are on the the rollers because, you know what, you're going to throw those away and put the breakfast things on soon. 
So a lot of times when people came in, I always called it uh, Bar 30. Yeah. yeah because yeah. the bars were closing, so you'd get all these drunks coming in and get hot dogs. I would give them away. It's like, dude, they're going to go bad. They're already bad, basically. <laughs> but you're going to eat them anyways because you don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know? So I'd be like, you know what? Just take it. I It beats me throwing it away. So anyways... He often rented out or borrowed space at local schools and gymnasiums where he organized lots of activities such as football, gymnastics, swimming, target practice. You name it, he organized it. Now, his clubs were often very popular and attracted a lot of members. However, over time, he, they noticed that membership declined because of his increasingly strange behavior. One of the boys who attended the clubs complained that he often drilled them like a sadistic boot camp instructor. Uh, instructor, instructor. He would make the boys do things that made them feel uncomfortable, but when they complained about it, he paid them to make sure they stayed quiet. You're like, you know what? Here's some money. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's jacked. What the fuck? Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds what? me of a certain superstar I shall not name. Wait, wait hold on. Uh, now I got a question. Was he Catholic? I'm assuming so. He was Scottish. It's kind of making sense now. Kind yeah. of making sense. It doesn't really say what his religious affiliation was, but a lot of Irish and Scottish and English are Catholic. It's just a known fact. Not, you know? I'm not saying it's. Uh, I'm not saying he's a pedophile because he's Catholic, but I'm not saying he's not one <laughs> because he's Catholic. All I know is across the yeah. street from where you used to live was the child molestation station. It was not. It was. It was not. It was a shrine to the Virgin, the Madre de Guadalupe or whatever that thing is down in South America. That's what they want yeah. you to believe. They're like, okay, Timmy, why don't you bow down in front of Guadalupe here? And then he closes his eyes and it's all over. You either, oh, oh, or my butt, my butt. <laughs> You're so stupid. I hate you. Just now, saying. It came to a point where those complaints were so numerous that the local police were called in to investigate his clubs. Now, one, one journalist wrote in an article that he enjoyed disciplining his boys and, quote, expected them to obey his every command. This journalist also said that one of his, the boys' mothers complained that her son and his friends were forced to rub... This is a quote. Forced to rub suntan oil all over Thomas's naked body as he writhed and groaned in ecstasy. No, that's not fucking creepy at all. No. Not, no, that's, that's perfectly fucking normal. Oh, yeah. It's perfectly normal for a child aged 7 to 11 to rub suntan oil on their leader as he's naked going, oh, yes, right there. You know, <laughs> I'm just I saying. was creeped out as a teenager... When my mom pulled a muscle in her back and said, hey, could you rub this cream on my shoulder because I can't reach it and like really rub it in? Yeah. I was creeped out by that. Well, and I mean, I told you because when I was staying here, it's like I had that really sharp pain in my back. Remember that I couldn't reach. But right. Like just have Jake rub in lotion. I'm like, no, dude. That's how it starts. It rubs the lotion on the skin. I know. It starts with that. And it's like, no. With my past, it's like I avoid all kinds of shit like that. Even though he's an... I mean, he was over 18. It still creeped me out. So as the complaint... Oh, I already said... Oh, no. As more complaints streamed in, it was becoming clearer and clearer that he was a pervert. Now, he was 
proud of his, quote, boys. He was so full of pride that in his house, he had pictures of them all over wearing just slim bathing suits, which he demanded they wear for the photographs. Jesus I'm Christ, assuming they, that a lot of them were probably Speedos, right? Yeah, well, I'm thinking that yeah. that's everything that's in his little porn collection spank bank because he's a sick fucker. Yeah. However, when the police did their investigation of his residence follow, following those complaints while he was still alive, they couldn't find any clear evidence that proved he was doing anything wrong legally. Because according to uh, this author... A former police constable said that the pictures were not considered pornographic because the boys still had their pants on. Um, Which I'm sorry, a skimpy speedo on a child that you're displaying, it's almost like having them posing in their underwear, which is one of the main things that they find on child porn websites. I see where it's not pornographic, but still it's hella inappropriate and it's hella creepy. Hella creepy. But like I said, it's like that is one of the things is they lure you in with these pictures of these children in their underwear. And then as you get deeper into the establishment, they have the naked one. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like something that draws in the attention. Now, just as disturbing was the fact that Hamilton not only engaged in the perverted activities with the boys, but he also taught them how to use guns. Okay. I'm not I'm not opposed. That, well, that part, I'm no. not opposed. However, this is what bothers me a little bit. And only because I don't think it was done for the right reasons. And I'll explain here in a sec. Now, they were sometimes dropped off on an island with guns. And they were told, shoot any animal you see. Anything that moves. Oh, Which like, I don't believe that's true hunting. Kind of like Jeffrey Epstein. An island being dropped off. Oh, I, 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 know where he's, I know where he's going now. Right, but to me, that's not real hunting. No. You know what I mean? That's like almost animal torture, kind of. You know what I mean? Because you're not respecting the environment and your animals. No, and I agree. You're shooting anything that moves. So, uh, where was I? Oh, now, this, this journalist also said that evening activities during those trips consisted of the boys being whipped with a steel rod before Hamilton rubbed lotion on their bodies. Now, one of the boys was actually quoted in the article, and he said, quote, that's the only time Hamilton touched us, but he would rub the lotion on us really hard. Now, okay, but you know what he did after that whole excursion? Before they came home? Masturbated. No, he paid the boys so they wouldn't tell. I thought you would see that one coming. I'm just, I'm just disgusted. I'm just, I'm, I'm at the point of being just pissed off and disgusted. Yeah. So his behavior facilitated more rumors around that he was just simply a pedophile, which I agree with right now. Right. Um, according to another journalist, Detective Sergeant Paul Hughes, the former head of the Central Scotland's Police Child Protection Unit, wrote a damning report in which he recommended. He actually told the state to take away Hamilton's gun license because he was an unsavory character with an unstable personality. Right? right. However, nothing was done because there was no, no solid evidence that he was doing anything wrong. So his boys clubs weren't shut down and he was continued to live his life as he was. However, 
when the rumors got worse, he became enraged. Now, this is what gets me. He wrote many letters complaining to authority figures within the community, saying that he was not a pervert and they were victimizing him. He also sent letters which were described by many as very threatening to local teachers, the families of any boy who spoke up about their mistreatment, or discouraged anybody else from attending the clubs. At one point, he even sent several letters to the queen complaining that he was being treated so unfairly. What a peckerhead. Well, that's just his sophomore behavior, right? It's like, you don't agree with what I'm doing, so I'm going to turn the tables and I'm going to be the victim. You know what I mean? I'm the victim just listening to this episode (laughs) as we record it. And not being able to seriously... He he totally took victim stance to a whole new level. I I feel like a victim because I'm not being allowed to... He's not alive and I can't literally beat the evidence shit out of him. Yeah. I don't want to shoot him. I want to beat him. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I kind of agree with you. I, you I totally you don't do. don't fucking touch kids, man. Yeah. Now, he believed, he actually believed in his mind that there was a conspiracy against him. He didn't just blame the teachers and parents, but he also blamed the police force, scout officials, and anybody else he thought was spreading these Rumors, these and he, untrue rumors about him. And he walked out of his house going, fuck the police. <laughs> now, his infuriation is what they believe led to the events on March 13th. Now, after everything happened, of course, there was an inquiry lo- launch because they wanted to know what prompted this to see if there's anything they could do to prevent it from happening again, right? Which I agree with. Now, Dunblane residents and the families of the victims wanted answers. They wanted to know how this could happen to their, in their small community. So in response to their pleas, the, the city officials launched a public inquiry. One of the primary questions one of the attorneys wanted to answer was what led up to these shootings. He also tried to assess ways to better safeguard the public in the future against the misuse of firearms. Actually, I don't care what you do. You're never going to stop that because even if you... Let me put it this way. Even if they go so far as to take the guns away from citizens who legally obtain them, people who can't legally obtain them now will not legally obtain them in the future. I know what led up to the shootings. Oh, Lord. Here we go. What? The road to the school. Oh, my God. (laughs) Am I wrong? No. Okay. Not at all, but that was horrible. But you understand what I mean? Because a lot of the violence... Yes, some of these shooters have registered guns. However, some of them don't. And you know how they obtain their guns? Illegally. So how will they obtain them? Illegally, right? That's right. With very, very sick bald eagles. Oh, my God. I didn't say... I get it now. I got it now. I hate you. Now, this investigation was based mostly on police reports and the testimony of the testimony of those who were familiar with the shooter. Now, it proved to be an invaluable source of information. Investigators during during this inquiry, investigators learned that he had organized and ran how many boys clubs? 16 between 197 the mid-70s through the mid-90s, most of which were very unsupervised by the state and local officials. 
Moreover, they found out that he wasn't even qualified to instruct the boys in many of the activities he arranged. You understand what I mean? Right, right, right. You know, because a lot of these, I mean, even scout leaders, they have to go through certain training, right? I know when I was a youth leader in our church, I had to go through a couple seminars because we were required, we were mandatory reporters. Wait and a we minute. had to be trained on how to do that. Was it a Catholic church? No. Okay, you get a pass. But, but you understand what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Totes, totes so there is a proper protocol. You have to be trained on how to handle certain situations. And he had none of that training. Now, this raised questions as to why the city, I mean, the local you know, city officials allowed him to even open these boys clubs in the first place, right? Now, during their investigation, that's when people found out the true character of Thomas Hamilton. Um. Some of the boys testified, actually got up and testified about how he mistreated him. them. They told of how they were coerced into stripping down to just their swim trunks so that photographs could be taken of them. Most of these photographs were focused on the groin area. You know, they weren't like full body. They were like kind of not just close up on the groin, but, you know, you could tell that that was the center of attention. I have groin anger going over on over here. Oh my just God. listen to this story. Now, if one of these children complained, he would belittle them. And then if a parent confronted him or the authorities asked him about the pictures, he would exclaim that they were taken for advertising purposes. However, he kept them in his house like he displayed them proudly. That's not advertising. Uh, yeah, At least no. to me, it's not. No. Because you're not going to have potential club, you know, enroll enrollers come to your house and see these photos lined up this is true this you is know true. it's just not going to happen now according to this attorney's 1996 report there was actually only evidence of two specific incidents which suggested he was most likely a pedophile according to him a 12 year old testified that hamilton quote sat down close to him and rubbed him on the inside of his leg yet when he brought that to the attention and filed a complaint, it was brushed aside and no formal report was ever filed. It was just like blown off, like whatever, dude. Right? Jeez, that's Which jacked. to me, that indicates, you know what? Whether it went further than that doesn't matter. You look into it. You know what I mean? I you don't just brush it off as a child complaining. You know, everything a child tells you deserves to be looked into, I, I believe, right? Now, according to this attorney, another 12-year-old boy gave an anonymous testimony saying that he was sexually abused. Now, this boy claimed that Hamilton inappropriately touched, quote, his private parts and then assaulted him anally with his fingers. Okay? However, some people had difficulty, quote, accepting this testimony as truth and... Because they didn't have a, a chance to cross to question the boy themselves because he gave his testimony anonymously. And it came out that he, this boy had been in trouble in the past of a serious crime of dishonesty. You know what I mean? But that doesn't tell me that what he's saying wasn't true. Okay, yeah. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I'm following. Yeah. I mean, I do not blow off any child's claims ever um, when it comes to shit like this. Are you saying like you this. don't blow children? I said their claims, Scott. Their I just claims. figured that you and Jake spent enough time together, but he was over 18, so. 
Oh my god, you and him with those jokes about me and him having sex need to stop. Like literally, stop. Well, I know as I got up and heard you go, hey little boy. Ah, but anyway, up. I digress. Now, during this inquiry, more evidence was brought forth suggesting that Hamilton planned this massacre way in advance. Because less than six months before he shot up the school, he purchased more guns and ammunition than he ever had since he got his gun license. His attendance at gun clubs increased tremendously, and he would spend several, I mean, like countless hours trying to improve his accuracy. It was likely that he was preparing to kill as many people as possible. Now, according to a June 1996 article in a Scottish newspaper, Hamilton might have actually been planning this two years before it took place because there was evidence that he sought to exact his revenge on not just the one class, but as many as four classes. This proof came in a written testimony given by a nine-year-old boy who had been a member of one of Hamilton's clubs. According to this report, every week for two years straight, Hamilton quizzed the boy about the layout of the gym and the routines of that school. He allegedly asked for specific information about how to get around the school, how to get to the gym quickly, and what when grades, when first or fourth grade would actually be in the gym, right? He wanted to know how many fire exits there were throughout the whole building, and he wanted to know the daily routines of what happened in the school, and so that he could, like, it's like they were speculating that he was trying to play, okay, how can I best limit their uh, retreat? You know what I mean? Right, right, right. them from getting away. Right. That's, that's, That's basic recon. Yeah. So those who spoke with him in the days before the shooting said that he didn't act out of character. And they didn't think that there was anything wrong. His mother even said that she saw him the day before and he seemed, quote, all right. He gave, they say he gave no indication of what he was going to do the following day. Now, I want to pause for a minute. Because he may have not have given an outward indication that he was going to shoot up the school. But by him filing all those complaints saying he was a victim, you should have known he was unstable somehow. By the right? reporting of him touching kids. Oh, it that should have too, fucking ended right yeah. there. That's what nobody gets. But he shot up in school and then everyone wants to ignore that he was touching little boys. Fuck that. That asshole should have true. been off the streets when he was touching kids. God damn oh, it. That is true. Now, Sick fuck. This part I found, I mean, this is part that I like couldn't. I could believe it, but it's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I could if I would actually be able to do it in that situation. But I would hope I could. Right. One of the first people to arrive at the crime scene in the gym was the school's headmaster, Ron Taylor. He and, and then right behind him were several other staff members. I knew when, a girl who was that, by the way, a headmaster. I've been told I'm that, but I digress. She now, was so good. She could have she could have been classified as a cocksmith. Notice the silence. (laughs) 
just I'm saying. trying to keep the show funny because I'm over here just no, I irritated. No, I understand totally. But just, just I mean, this is going to be a little heartwarming. But then at the end is when we're going to get into some of the uh, more questionable side of this whole thing that maybe, just maybe, he's not the only one to blame. Right? So what they said they witnessed, they said was so heart-wrenching that it defied imagination. Yet they couldn't let that stop them from what they knew had to be done. They immediately tried to help the children and teachers. They tended to the wounds of the injured and comforted the dying until emergency personnel arrived 15 minutes later. Now, according to another article, when they happened upon the body of a teacher, 45-year-old Gwen Mayer, it looked as if she had been trying to shield children from the gunfire. In fact, it said that she gave her life to protect as many of her students as she could. God damn. Now, a, that's a great... We should have tons of respect and honor for her. Oh, totally. And she's the teacher that died, by the way. Now, there were also two other teachers that were shot, but they survived. Mary Blake and Eileen Harold. They were in the gym at the time of the shooting, and apparently they said as the bullets were coming down upon them, they gathered as many children to shield them, like, like became body shields, basically, you know, human shields for them. Even though they suffered serious gunshot wounds, it said that there would have been more casualties if they had not used themselves to protect the children. Right? Now, after the ambulance crews and police converged on the schools, doctors and paramedics treated as many at the scene as they could with more severe wounds were rushed to a local hospital. The police cordoned off the area to ensure that emergency personnel could get in and out easily. Now, amidst the chaos, you can imagine, parents were frantic. They were in the crowds. And we talked about this with the Girl Scout murders. Remember, is nobody was telling anybody anything. And these parents didn't know whether their kids were alive or dead. Right? Right. And I've heard this happened at, has happened at other shootings, too. It's like nobody knows whether the loved one is alive or dead. But I understand the reason for that. Um, the police wanted to make sure that they had an accurate listing of who was alive and who had been, who had been murdered because they don't want to inform somebody, hey, your child is dead when their child's alive in the hospital. Or, you know, or say, hey, your child's alive and then that parent find out, no, my child died. You know what I mean? But they could, and I'll tell you how, because if they're wrong, they can look and go, just kidding. That again was horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's... No, your your dad jokes are locking right now. Well, it's because I'm just trying not to explode and get on my fucking soapbox. Oh, no, totally. I get it. But then, um, let's see. According to one article that was printed in USA Today, one of the mothers was so desperate that she managed to break through the police barricade. She ran into the school, and as she ran into the gym, she saw her daughter laying dead. She had been shot in the neck, and they said that she fainted. She was one whose lives was torn apart. Now, according to reports, uh, Professor Anthony, I think his name is Busutil, B-U-S-U-T-T-I-L. He was the pathologist put in charge of... Not only conducting the autopsies of those who were killed in the massacre, but he also had to inform the families of the deaths. 
Most of the victims sh- suffered anywhere from one to seven gunshot wounds. And the, he said the severity of those injuries was more than he had ever seen in his entire career. He was also in charge of po- performing the autopsy on Thomas Hamilton. Now, he, when he did this autopsy, he tried to find, he did every test he could think of to find anything that would say Hamilton committed this crime because of some sort of chemical or imbalance in his body. He looked for brain tumor, couldn't find any. Looked for the presence of alcohol and drugs, nothing. Looked to see if he had a viral infection, which would have caused him to kind of go a little crazy crazy. Nothing. Nothing led, even looked for lead poisoning to say, hey, maybe he was had lead poisoning because that can alter your co- mental capacity um, as well. That's what he did die of. Well, eventually, yes. <laughs> lead poisoning or... He took it uh, orally and apparently... Yeah, but was, I don't think it was poisoning. It was more... Um, it, it was a mind-blowing it was experience. An in, yeah, it, there you go. It was an injection, right? <laughs> that's right. It was lead injection. It was a mind-blowing experience. That's how he died. See, I can be a pathologist. Yes. Yet there was nothing physiologically that physiologically going on in his body that it could explain his actions. No, there's only one thing that's going on with him. Yeah. He's garbage. Yes. He's got garbage virus. Oh, totally. Totally. Now, less than a week after the massacre, um, the city of Dunblane made preparations to bury those who had died. Now, Queen Elizabeth II and Princess Anne actually traveled to the small town to meet with the families of the victims and the survivors. Um, and according to one article, when the queen got there, she wept openly when she spoke with the parents about their children. She, like many, sympathized with them and mourned for the loss, which I understand. You know, she's always thought of as this great, like, what's the stoic character, right? But I still believe she was human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, on March 18, 1996, the entire nation of Great Britain had a moment of silence to commemorate those who died. It marked the beginning of a week-long procession of funerals. And according to one journalist, many of the deceased were interned in a specially dedicated area in the cemetery. Now, granted, I'm not even going to get into this, but you probably know already that a lot of people wanted to, like, gun control us. You know, we see it here in America all the time. You know? So there was that whole thing. However, around that same time that they were trying to um, institute changes in gun laws, they also campaigned to receive more information on Thomas Hamilton. The families did. According to an article... This Lord Cullen, who was the attorney over the inquiry, he made a decision to withhold the, quote, sensitive information from the public by enforcing what they called a hundred year closure order on evidence relating to his activities prior to the Hamilton's activities prior to the massacre, which means nobody could access those files for a hundred years from the date of the event. Right. Right. According, hang on, according to um, one article titled The Hidden Secrets of the Dunblane Massacre, this evidence included reports concerning abuse allegations at the boys club. His 
links with the Freemasonry and reports about his, quote, use and possession of firearms. The families challenged that 100-year ban because they believed that the public had a right to know what happened, right? Now, according to officials that said the ban was instated to protect the identities of the children named in the reports. Okay, I get that. They were minors. The public doesn't need to know who, who these children were that filed the complaints, right? They can redact those names. Right. No, I agree. Yeah. That is totally... Redact those names. Take those names out, but let people know what this guy did, right? Now, uh, where was... Oh, anyways... Um, and when he goes, he said that there, in actuality, in all of those reports, there was actually only a handful of documents that related to the children or even named any alleged victims. So many actually said that ban was illegal and they it instated to they thought it was instated to protect high level officials such as local police and authorities from from being found out of their any wrongdoing on their part. Right mm -hmm. now, to try to like ward off any suspicions in the public, another attorney by the name he was a Lord Advocate by the name of Colin Boyd. He actually released four reports from that were dated between 1988 and 1993. Yet he denied the public any access to the other 106 re files. That related to Hamilton's activities. So, okay, so there's 110 reports out there, and you're going to give the public four, and be like, you know what? I think you'll be okay with these, right? Jesus Christ! What fucking bunch so, of keystone? Caps. However, his plan backfired. It didn't alleviate the public suspicion. It only increased their speculations that there was a cover-up going on. According to Frank Blake, the husband of Mary Blake, who protected the children, was shot in, you know, for her efforts. They have not divulged the whole lot, and we want everything to be made public. He was also quoted saying, we want to know what is so important in these papers. What do they have to hide? Other members agreed with him. Dis however, despite their complaints, according, I mean, and I have, like I said, this was kind of thrown together and I haven't had a chance to research further, but I will, about whether or not those documents have been released or not. Because as of 2004, they weren't. Now, according to another, according to a report, D Dr. Mick North, he was the parent of one of the victims, Sophie North. He also brought forth more allegations of a possible cover-up. According to an article titled Dunblane Cover-Up, uh, Dr. North listed six points that the inquiry of, uh, of Lord Cullen, his inquiry failed to address. Number one, the failure to hear evidence from Catherine Kerr, who was a neighbor of Hamilton's. Apparently, on the day of the, the morning of the shootings before he left in his own vehicle, he actually was driven back to his house in a gray colored vehicle outside of, and he got out outside of his home, but nobody has ever named that driver or, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, so who was driving that vehicle and what was said? What did, you know, what did Hamilton tell you that morning? You know, cause it was right before he left to shoot up a school, you know, then there's the fact that from Hamilton's house, to the doors of the, I mean, to the school parking lot should have only taken him 
approximately 15 minutes, right? Yet, according to reports, it took him 45 minutes to get there. Why? You know, what did he do in between He that? stopped, got coffee, probably molested a few more kids. Probably, probably. Uh, a McGriddle? Oh, wait, no. Yeah. No. Is <laughs> no. it a McGriddle? Yeah, it was McGriddle. A McGriddle. Yeah, to hide the wrapper under his hood. Sorry, bad joke myself. Um, now they're saying, then there was also the fact that there was actually an off-duty police officer who, for some reason, was at the school that morning. Nobody knows why. Yet he was never called to testify at the inquiry. Okay, so you're an off-duty police officer, right? You happen to be at the school when it's being shot up. Why are you not swinging into action yourself? He's not a swinger. Oh, my God. But, I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like whether you're on duty or off duty, you swore an oath to protect your your city. Right? Nah, fuck him. Fuck him. (laughs) So... They also brought up the fact that the police never, they, their failure to, like, identify him as a pedophile who was almost certainly involved in supplying photographs of virtually naked boys, which he took on camp. So these police saw the, all these photographs, but said, you know what, there's no harm in that. Really? Jeez. They're just photographs of boys in swimsuits, right? But why would a grown-ass man with no family need pictures of, you know, 7 to 11-year-old boys in a swimsuit That's adorning his house? Yeah. You know, this, it makes this, no sense to it's me. It's a fucking perv. Then there was also the failure to establish who his friends on the police force were. Apparently, there are a number of witnesses that testified that there were often police cars stopped outside his home talking to this man. Like it was just, oh, you know what? We're going to stop by and talk to Thomas here. Nasty ass So obviously he had friends on the police force. And we talked about that in the uh, serial killer myths and facts. So wait a minute. I wonder if he's saying, I got friends in cop places. <laughs> But we did. Didn't we talk about that? And how they insinuate themselves with law enforcement to become familiar with them? Yep. 100. Yeah. So then there was also the failure to investigate links, which were revealed by three separate witnesses between him and the Queen Victoria School, which is a military school with a small shooting range that he used and where it's claimed by a former teacher that he abused some boys at. Right? It's like, so why wasn't that brought to the public's attention or brought up in the inquiry? Right, right, right. So, basically, all of these accusations have have prompted for, you know, the public wants another inquiry into him and the shootings. And they also want the authorities to be investigated. The families of the victims have demanded access to all of the information that is available on Thomas Hamilton. And it's only then that they feel they might be able to put the nightmare behind them because right now they feel like things are purposely being withheld from them. Right. Which means some you're hiding something. So to me, that tells them that you're hiding something from this family, these families, right? There's something you don't want the public to know. It's the good old boys club. I'm thinking that maybe some of them were touching kids too. Or, or involved in his nefarious activities of, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, he, maybe he was supplying them with pictures. Yeah, could be. You know, maybe he was the head of a pedophile ring. And some of these officers or city officials were involved in that, and they don't want it known. 
I just I think they're hi- somebody's hiding something. I agree. I agree. That's all I have bastards. to say. It's like I mean I think this warrants discussion because you know this doesn't just happen in Dumbling at this one time. It happens all over the place, where people who are in charge of community sponsored events or clubs seem to be overlooked when it comes to nefarious acts. Exactly. No, I, and, and I agree. I mean, because, you know, it's like, okay, so the city and the communities and law enforcement and anybody in authority, like, advocates for these groups. Yet when something comes out that these groups might not be what they say they are, the police or the city officials want to hide their involvement, so nothing is done. It's all swept under the rug. Yeah, no, exactly. And yeah. I think something needs to be done because this is happening everywhere. Everywhere. And uh, as a parent of a child, it sickens me. No, I, I agree. I yeah. agree, you know. You know, not only did his acts, I mean, those infuriated me, but the fact that I feel that there's a cover-up sickens me. I mean, it just disgusts me. But that's where I'm at as a mother. Where are you at as a father? You already know where my stance is. If somebody would have touched my kids. Oh, hell. Or <laughs> even talked about touching your kids or photographed your child like that. Yeah. Oh, hell. They wouldn't have had a chance to swallow a gun. They wouldn't have to worry about mm-hmm. the police. And this isn't just me being some tough guy. It's just I love my kids that much. I'll go to prison for my kids. Oh, me too. I told people I've been to prison. I ain't scared. I got friends there. Yeah, I, <laughs> I ain't scared. I, I just happen to really love my kids. If somebody would have yeah. done even a fraction of that to oh, either one of my kids, yeah. I would have fucking, I would have rocked their world. Totally. Except I'll keep a son of a bitch alive for days. Well, you know what the sad part is, is people who say, oh, I can't believe they said they do that. You know what? If you were a parent, you understand. You oh, do yeah. anything to protect your child from anything. Yeah. You know, it's all of that protecting them, making sure that they have as much innocence as they can growing up. You know, because there's a time and a place for them to lose that. And it's not when they're 7, 11 years old. Yeah, I agree. So, no, it disgusts me. I think somebody needs to answer to something. But, okay, now let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> Are you done? I, I, I think I am for now. Remember, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, log on to Facebook. Join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Join in the conversation. And, you know, do a little Q&A. Have fun with it. Get on to Etsy. Type in TB Enterprises Shop. Store. Store. God damn it. And, uh, you know. All one word. Yeah, all one word. And our little store will pop up for all your serial killer and Sasquatchy needs. Yeah. Because you know what? Sasquatch <laughs> lights matter. They do. This show's copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you glorious fuckers later. And remember, if you're hearing this or any part of this or anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.